and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today, our guest is Matt Greenberg, VP of Engineering at Credit Karma. You can read some of his informative blog posts online, but I'll give it a go and let him introduce himself. Matt, please tell us a bit more about you. Thank you. Sure. I'm the VP of Engineering at Credit Karma. I've been here for about five years, seen the company grow from 200 people to almost 1,600. Before that, I was a VP of Engineering at another startup and uh, didn't quite get to the uh, 1,600 employee level or the $5 billion valuation, but it was a good run. I've had a a great and fulfilling career so far. Awesome. Good to hear that. Today's topic is training new engineering leaders. The hows and the whats and the pitfalls are still ahead of us, so let's dive in. Matt, how do you make sure that someone is ready and able to become a manager? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I'm going to give you a bad answer, which is, I don't know that you ever really know. Uh, (laughs) In fact, usually what I try and do when someone tells me they want to be an engineering manager is talk them out of it. Nice. I think people look at engineering people leadership and they think of it as like an opportunity to get leadership. The reality is, is accomplished engineers are also leaders and all of the things that a lot of people are looking for, the opportunity to mentor, you know, project leadership decisions, technical decisions, like all that stuff happens in just leadership, whether you're an IC, an individual contributor, or you're a people manager. Being a people manager mostly really entails all of the administrative aspects of being a leader. So a lot of it comes down to hiring and firing people, doing performance management, managing pay, dealing with HR issues, legal and compliance and finance and budgets and all of these other things. And a lot of people just look at getting into it for, I think, the wrong initial reason. And I think many people get out of it once they realize what they're doing. They should look at the end goal of what they want to do. Like, do they want to be a senior leader managing hundreds of people? Or do they want to be like a really accomplished person on a small team? And if if it's the latter, if you're really just looking to kind of like be an eng manager at scale, then oftentimes, you know, here at Credit Karma, we have like staff software engineers, senior staff software engineer fellows, principal engineers, things like that. Like that's just a much better track for most people to take their career unless they really want to do the other stuff. So what would you recommend to someone who is looking to be a manager besides all of this? When someone's looking to be a manager, we usually look for an opportunity to give them a chance to try it. Mm -hmm. So at Credit Karma, we have a people management development program where you take a rotation of six months in a trial period Mm -hmm. and you go through a cohort-based training with a bunch of other Uh, potential leaders, not just in engineering, but in other teams as well. And you learn about a lot of the administrative components of what you're doing. And then following that up, if if it's sort of a mutually agreed upon success that both the person wants to continue a path of management and we think they're doing a good job of it, then we give them the opportunity to take that role on full time. 
either with that team or potentially with a different team, depending on the situation. How long would this take for someone? We typically do it for six months. There's definitely situations where we've done it for shorter and there's also situations where we don't do it for longer, but it usually takes a, a good, you know, six month process to see you through most of the administrative tasks that you end up doing in leadership. Mm -hmm. So you get to participate in some planning, you get to participate in some budget management stuff. You kind of go through like a performance management cycle where you're helping people improve. So there's, there's a whole slew of, you know, different things that you end up seeing in that whole six months to get a good view of what it looks like to be a people leader. So it sounds like you have a lot of internal support for, for someone who is looking to be a manager. Yeah, I mean, we try and have as much as possible. If, if you think we have a 800 person engineering team. So at that size, we have a lot of managers and you want to give people internally the opportunity to grow. And if that's something they want, you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to see it through. Right. So a lot of our best leaders are kind of homegrown and it's hard. I mean, you're doing a lot of things for the first time. You've seen them from the other side. You know, you've had <laughs> hard conversations, you've received feedback, but giving it's a totally different animal. And you want to make sure that people have a lot of support going through that process. Sure. It sounds very reasonable. Um, what about external support? It sounds like you have a, a very well laid out path for someone who wants to become a manager. Do you send them to workshops or courses? Hmm. That's a great question. So we have a program internally at Credit Karma we call Credit Karma University. And within that program, we have both internal and externally hosted workshops. Uh, that people can take classes in. So, so there are some workshops available for people. We also have a professional development program, uh, PDP, that people have uh, $5,000 a year they can go spend on wow. classes they want to take for sort of self-development. All that said, a, a lot of being a successful people manager, I don't think it's likely to come from most of the external classes I see today, you either like don't learn the internals of how your specific company works, or it tends to be just a little bit too much like 10 year old learning instead of sort of the wisdom we've got in growing companies today. It's one of the reasons that I think some of the more like modern, like leadership, small group training classes have been getting more credibility and people have been out like looking for coaches. Uh, so there's a program called Reforge I've been really excited about. I think they're doing great things in teaching people stuff. In the Bay Area, we have a number of classes for like conscious leadership and things like that, that people are finding value in. Um, and then a lot of people have like pursued some form of coach. Mm -hmm. um, but we try and make sure that the network internally is as effective as humanly possible. Wow, that sounds really amazing. It's Let's... definitely not as good as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> we have many aspirations to make improvements all the time, and we feel like we're, we're never doing enough. Again, like everyone involved in this is such a high leverage person for you. So if it goes badly or like someone doesn't get as much attention as they need, then we all think about it and feel it for months afterwards. So anytime you're making mistakes in people management, it has sort of a compounding effect. Sure. The impact is high. Let's talk about the challenges. What are some of your favorite challenges of uh, transitioning from a developer to a managerial position? 
I think the first thing is that most people have this model for trust that is based on a model they've built their entire life, which is usually built around friendship. And especially uh, like people who are young or like haven't had the opportunity to be a parent yet, or like had a lot of extra things in their life, they're just used to that like friendship model for building trust. And they try really hard to be friends with everyone on their team. And it causes them to have difficulty giving feedback or deal with difficult situations or approach things directly. And giving people a, a model for professional trust that's built on the fact that we can care personally about someone and still like set boundaries for them and you know help them set targets and give them feedback. It's a mental shift for most people. And people who don't figure out how to go through it or they, they really struggle to be a successful leader, not just people manager, but leader in general, um, but especially in the people management area. So I see that happen all the time where just people don't know how to interact with their team in a new role. Mm-hmm. And they try really hard to keep being friends with everyone and, and everything falls apart. The other thing is I think people see the accountability model is all of a sudden they're accountable for everything and they just get like way into everyone's business and <laughs> they don't understand how to delegate or get extra out of that process. And that's a recipe for disaster for those people. No one will enjoy working with them and they're probably going to be more likely to fail. And, and then lastly, I think there's a whole, it's just overwhelming, like all the new stuff that you end up having to do and how different a lot of it is. So you end up in these situations where you think you're doing your job really well, but then there's some aspect that's also critically important, but you have no experience at, and you just do terrible at it. And no, no amount of prep really handles you in that situation or helps you in that situation. You just have to be a learner who's adaptive and figure things out. It's tough. I could probably go on and on. We just, we, there are lots of challenges. So let's, um, let's give some insights to our listeners. Um, we have mentioned three of these favorite challenges. What do you do to counter them? How can we help these transitioning managers? There's a few things that end up being really important. One is, I think a lot in frameworks and models. It's just like generally how I work to scale. So anytime you can turn something into a system, then that system can get repeated over and over again. So we build and use systems for like how to build trust. And we have like articles people can go read. And I really like Brene Brown's Braving Framework. We talk to people about how to set boundaries and what accountability looks like. And we give them these models. Now that doesn't always mean they do it well, but at least they have a framework to learn from. And then, um, and then I think there's two important components of feedback. So I mentioned it earlier, we talk a lot about cohorts. So in this case, a cohort's like a group of people who are all going through a similar set of experiences at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we generally have like two cohorts a year, one in the first half and one in the second half who are going through like leadership challenges, either because they're new to credit karma or because they are new to people leadership. And they build community together where they can give each other feedback and talk through problems. And I think that peer community ends up being a really important route to getting feedback and problem solving because you can have a different type of trust than you might with your direct management chain. Sure. And then the other thing is we talk a lot in our direct leadership chains about what are the models for training? 
So again, I like a model, <laughs> another system, the situational leadership model. It talks a lot about sort of how you go from not knowing anything about stuff to becoming an expert, building expertise. And it's this path of getting really directed examples for how to go through things, getting coaching on those examples, getting a lot of support, and then eventually like kind of having that thing down pat. So we try and make sure people know when they're going into a new thing that we have the model. So we're going to give you a lot of directive advice and coaching on how to do a thing and that you're going to kind of do it the way we want you to do it. And then over time, you'll get more autonomy to do it your own way, but you'll get a lot of coaching and feedback. And then over time, we'll transition that coaching and feedback to just like kind of generalized support. So like it's available when you need it. And then eventually you have that skill down. And there are so many different skills that you end up ha handling that giving people a vocabulary for knowing like, hey, I'm going to be really directive right now. I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Right? But there's a reason for it. And there's a path to like me not telling you what to do anymore. And also for people to have a vocabulary of saying like, I'm struggling right now. I need direction. Like I need you to be directive with me. And it creates a safety and a vocabulary to quickly get to the right conversation. So there's a lot of value in these like systems and models and understanding the cycle it takes to learn. So you might say, I've received a lot of performance reviews before, but I've never actually given one. Can you give me a lot of direction about how to do this? It's like, hey, actually with my last manager, I did this a lot. I don't need the direction right now. I'm really hoping for coaching. Or, and the, a manager could say like, hey, I, I do it a little different. And I really think that my values are important. So I want to be directive about these values. And that at least you can see the misalignment and have a good conversation about it. So you, you create this sort of set of systems that help move people through all the learnings they need. And we can kind of call out all of these like common pitfalls and work mm -hmm. through how we're going to handle them. Each one ends up being really different though. It sounds like we have covered some of the individual challenges. What are some of the biggest mistakes a company can make when training new engineering managers? It's a great question. I, I think it's really common within companies for people to not know what a manager is and define the role of ICs, the role of management. Often companies have like lots of project managers and product managers and being able to give people a framework for understanding sort of where they sit in the organization and what's expected of them. Oftentimes like these people management roles just become buckets of everything. Yeah. And every team starts to operate a little differently. And that can be good as long as that emergent behavior is intended and the people who are doing it have some experience, but it's generally not good if, if that's not the case. I think startups are really cool, right? So you're trying to scale and do crazy things. You're trying to become a unicorn. You're trying to become a public company. You're trying to become one of the top five, whatever you're trying to do. And the thing that startups have really sort of coined is this ability to go as far as the people take them. So a lot of these startups have people who are stretching and doing things they've never done before in their new role. And every year they have a new role. That's true of me in my career. If I look at the last 10 years, the role I started my next year with was like larger than any role I'd ever had in my career before. And that just keeps happening as companies grow. They're hoping to keep putting themselves on the backs of the people and seeing how far the people can get. And you try and just let everything grow in that dynamic way. So what ends up happening is you see a lot of these companies where someone's never managed anyone before. And then eight years later, they're managing 800 people. And that kind of growth is crazy. 
But we only get there if you sort of seed two things. One is you make a path where people can keep growing. And then two, as companies grow, you find the right people to be additive to that environment. So we do have to recruit. We can't just hire like entry level people over and over again and expect the company to go. We want to hire some senior people, staff people, managers, directors, VPs who have seen the game before. There's a lot of value in that. Sure. But you want to make sure that there's a path for the people who are there already, who are growing with the company and the people who you're bringing in. So I think companies make mistakes on both ends, which is either they're not bringing in enough people who have seen the game before, who have played it out, who have wisdom, or they veer too far on the other end, which is they just don't believe that their internal folks who have never seen the game before are going to be able to grow with it. But we all start somewhere. We all grow in some way. So you do have to be willing to like take some risks to get there or else the people won't take you where you want to go. So it sounds like there is a certain balance that, uh, that the company needs to achieve. So why training new engineering managers is so important. If we hired all our engineering managers externally, then anytime anyone wanted to become an engineering manager who felt like they had the potential to do it, they'd leave. What would you suggest to someone in a similar role struggling with training new engineering managers? I think it's usually a struggle. I mean, it's not easy. We talk about frameworks and systems, but at the end of the day, everyone's an individual person and you're not bringing on so many engineering leaders and training so many net new managers that you can sort of like bucket everyone into categories. You still just see like lots of individuals. So the more senior we get, the more it becomes about like noticing when things are going badly and doing something about it quickly. So mm -hmm. it doesn't spiral out of control. It's also about like not settling when things are just okay, but trying to make them great. Because great is what sort of like lifts us all up and takes us where we want to go. So I think a lot of times the people on the lower end of the middle of the pack who aren't quite bad enough that someone has to do something about it right away, but aren't really like making the company better, mm -hmm. figuring out a path to do stuff about that really quickly, that becomes important. A lot of the wisdom that's come out of the companies that have scaled a lot is basically each new person you're bringing into a role should make it a little bit better. Yeah. They should be at like the 60th percentile of the people of that level so that it's always sort of like moving you forward. But it does mean you have to do stuff about the people who have been there a long time. And I've been in environments where people stayed forever and no one did anything about it. No one coached them into new roles. They didn't get fired. They weren't encouraged to leave. There was no like process for that. And then all the good people start leaving and you're left with like a pack of people who can't get stuff done very well. That's really troubling too. It's really hard when you see someone who's really struggling, you got to do something about it. When you see someone who's just doing okay, you also have to do something about it. Let's end on a higher note. Um, yeah. <laughs> what would be the first steps in your opinion if in a hypothetical situation if you if you see someone struggling what can an up-and-coming engineering manager do you just address it directly trust me a million times out of a million that person wants to know so if you see someone struggling you just have to tell them i see you're struggling right now your team is unhappy and they might buck at that and say that they don't think they agree or whatever. Perception is often reality. You still have to do stuff about it. 
but it's better that they know that your perception is that they're not doing well. It's always better to know. Yeah. It's always better to say something. That gives you like a common context and awareness in which you can build from. So I think when you see someone starting out, you just, you have to go address it if it's moving in the wrong direction. And if they never know, they'll never work to fix the problem. Sure. So that is the number one thing. Then you have to create a plan to improve it. So that plan could be something you handle internally. It's a problem you don't know how to solve. You could get a coach for it. You could send them to a class, whatever the case may be, but you want to create an actionable plan that you can both like hold some accountability to. I think the other thing to, to talk about is like, what do you do when someone is absolutely crushing it and just like on the trajectory of doing great work? So when you have someone who's doing fantastic, yeah. what do you do? You keep giving them more stuff. So that's the case where you just keep pushing until they're not doing fantastic anymore and like keep seeing how fast that rocket ship goes with them. You do have to keep checking in and giving feedback, but you want to grow those people as much as you can grow them. If you want your company to 10X, to double, whatever it is, like every year, then some people on your staff have to do that too. So you look for the people who are doing great and you just keep pushing them, including yourselves as you can. One of the mistakes I think people make is they see someone doing great and they're like, oh, I don't know that I want to give them more. You know, I'm worried that this will happen and you create all sorts of worries for them. And the reality is you just want to give them the safety and the confidence to keep pushing. Yeah. See um, how much they grow. That might be a very personal question, but it sounds like you're speaking from experience. I'm super lucky that I've gotten more in my career all the time. And I also see people who sometimes don't, and I wonder where they'd be if they had. So I expect that I'm lucky enough to have a lot of privilege in my career and to have gone as far as I did because people kept giving me the opportunity to do it. And then you see there are some people out there who are trying to take it. And sometimes they get given work over the people who are better but aren't like out there trying to take it. And part of your job as a leader is to find the people you really think are the best and keep giving them more work. Funneling it to the people whose like results are the way that you want them to be and who aren't just like asking for it. Yeah. And that's where you get like these really successful diverse teams where everyone's sort of getting the opportunity to grow. You just really think through who are my best people and can I give them more stuff? And then when you find yourself with 10 direct reports, you just say like, wow, I need to, fix this problem and delegate more and give more to the people below me and grow them. And the worst case scenario is when you run into a leader who's like, well, no one on my team is ready. And you're like, that's not true. It's just not true. But that's how companies get stuck instead of growing. You just have to find the great people and keep giving them opportunities to grow. No one's perfect. You don't look at anyone and be like, oh, they've never done this job before, but they're going to be perfect at it. But you have to trust that they'll try and they might surprise you. And hopefully they will surprise you for the better. Oftentimes they surprise you for the better. They surprise you for the better more often than you think. Awesome. That's a very nice end note. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on and you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think the only other thing I'd say is sort of a, another closing note is just that people leadership can be stressful and complicated, but it also is fun. And I think sometimes we all forget about the fun part, but it's the fun part that if you're having fun, your teams are often having fun too. So 
when you get all stressed out, your shadow stretches really far. So the more senior you get, the more people that you lead, the more you want to be around a group of people who you know, know how to fill each other's buckets, make them happy, have fun together. So you sort of exemplify the org you want. Your shadow is large. So try and like be your best you and have a good time doing it. We should all take that advice. Thank you, Matt. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Matt Greenberg, VP of Engineering at Credit Karma, on the topic of training engineering managers. If you'd like to know more, follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Muffin or read some of his blog posts at engineering.creditkarma.com and he's going to lead a course on engineering leadership at Reforge. You should check it out. I am Karolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.